Hi folks, this is Abel James, and thank you so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. We're here this week with Kevin Gianni to talk about, among other things, the all-yogurt diet. (laughs) Kevin is a personal friend with a really cool backstory of touring around with his wife in an RV for a few years before he had kids. Uh, Actually, in some ways, he's uh, inspired us to travel and live out of an RV as we've been doing for the past year. So if you need an excuse, hopefully this interview with Kevin will give you that little boost you need to take an adventure and do something rebellious. Speaking of rebellious and crazy, if you want to hear me sing like Johnny Cash, Elvis, or Joe Cocker, or if you want to hear me play the saxophone, stay tuned. We're almost finished with an album I recorded with a past guest of this show. Actually, I met him through the show because he listened to it and got in touch. And band leader of the Tim McGraw band, Mr. Denny Hemmingson. The album is called Swamp Thing, and it's some of my original tunes, some of Denny's, and a few we wrote on the spot in the studio. So if you'd like to listen to a few cuts of the album as soon as they're ready, make sure you sign up for my newsletter at fatburningman.com to stay up to date. Once again, that's fatburningman.com, and the album will be called Swamp Thing, and I hope that you'll like it. Uh, so if you'd like podcast notes as well, which are basically handy little articles that hit on the main takeaways from every podcast, if you don't have time to listen to the whole thing, hop on over to my blog as well at fatburningman.com. So you can also find me on Twitter at fatburnman and Facebook, fatburningman or Abel James. I love hearing what you guys think, so leave me a comment, drop me a line, make a funny hashtag, get in touch. Love hearing from you. Uh, in the meantime, here's the review of the week. And this one is for uh, the Fat Burning Man podcast. Open-minded awesomeness. Five stars. This one is from Dancing Crazy. That might just win the award for best, certainly best name of the week. <laughs> I have become addicted to listening to this podcast and inspired to make positive changes in my life and try new things each time I listen. My favorite thing about Abel is that his approach is very open-minded and non-dogmatic. I believe that fitness and nutrition is not one size fits all. He does a great job of interviewing a wide range of guests with various opinions and being open to their ideas. Yet being open to the all yogurt diet definitely does take (laughs) some open mindedness. Uh, He says there is more than one way to be healthy and he covers all aspects and possibilities in a down to earth and entertaining way. Well, thank you so much for that review. Um, If you folks are listening, you dig this show. Please take a second to leave a review on iTunes. It always helps more people get access to this this information for free. So on to the show with Kevin. Kevin Gianni is a health author, activist, blogger, and co-founder of Anne-Marie Skincare. That's his wife's name. During their years of health research, Kevin and his wife, Anne-Marie, began to learn more about the harmful chemicals that are added into most skincare products and the negative effects they have in and on the body. What they found shocked them, so Kevin and Anne-Marie set out to create pure products using the best quality ingredients, which lead to glowing and vibrant skin. Even if you're watching the video version, you'll see why that's funny when you, when you get a good look at Kevin, because you wouldn't necessarily expect it, but he does have beautiful skin. Uh, so on this show, It's a really fun one. I think you'll enjoy it. We talk about which heavy metals were found in Kevin's green tea, what it's like to gain 60 pounds after being vegan, uh, why Kevin went on an all yogurt diet and how it actually worked, uh, whether or not to let your kids eat goldfish and much more. All right, let's go hang out with Kevin. All right, folks, I'm very excited to be here today with my good chum, Mr. Kevin Gianni. He's a health author, activist, dad, and a dude who knows more about beautiful skin than almost any guy I know. How's it going, Kevin? 
<laughs> it's, it's going great, man. That's I thought awesome. I might appreciate that. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so anyway, um, you, you have a very interesting dieting history, so I'm told. Uh, you're, you're a very interesting man, if I do say so myself. But let's, let's start there with, um, with food and the, the radical adventure that you've been on. It's been a pretty awesome adventure. When I was, uh, when I was in high school, I, um, I was always into fitness. So mm-hmm. I played basketball, football, tennis. But to give you a perspective... You were a linebacker, like, right? I was an outside linebacker, yeah. And a guard. And a guard. Mind <laughs> you, at like 200 pounds. I played in Connecticut, man. It yeah, wasn't, okay. you know, we were, it wasn't the big guys. Um, but, but in high school, um, after, before my tennis matches, you can, I'll give you a hint of where I was nutritionally. Before my tennis matches, I, um, I would sit down in the school cafeteria and I would have um, a pack of Twinkies and a Mountain Dew. Wow. And that was, and that was like my you know, energy supplying snack before, before a tennis match. And you know, on top of it, I, my doubles partner and I, we'd, we'd get, hop in my mom's caravan and we'd drive around back of the high school and we'd smoke a cigarette and then we'd go play <laughs> tennis. So like, who, who knows what we're thinking, you know? Um, so so yes, that's, where my nutri- that's where my nutritional journey started, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all up from there. What do you do um, when you start from the top? <laughs> So, so I went to, went to college and did collegey things. And yeah. after college, I kind of got into this funk where you know I wasn't doing anything that I really was passionate about. And um, and so one day I called my mom and I'm just like, Mom, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with my life or anything like this. And she's like, You got to read this book. And she says it's called The Seeker's Guide by Elizabeth Lesser. And this has nothing to do with nutrition, but it kind of opened up my mind to the possibility. There's more than just like, you know what your life just kind of unfold, you know, mm-hmm. like you, your life just, just doesn't unfold. You can actually create some things. So what was kind of created out of that was this, this whole journey into a little bit more spiritual things and definitely into nutrition. A friend of mine gave me uh, a bunch of MP3s at one point and he, uh, he had pirated them and, and he gave them to me and I put them on my iPod and I used to run a lot at that time. I was, I was running training, uh, like ultra marathon, not ultra marathon, but mm-hmm. like trail marathons, stuff yeah. like that. Um, the audios were from David Wolf, and you know some of your listeners might know who David Wolf sure. is. Um, you know, raw food guy. Um, you know, raw chocolate. Uh, now he's you know Nutribullet um, uh, spokesperson, which is really cool. But uh, the message that, that that I was listening to when I was running, because it was when I the only time I could listen to it, was about raw food, and I got really excited about it. And you know, it was a message I'd never really heard before. I mean, I knew about eating like you know, brown rice and chicken and broccoli and all that sort of stuff because I'd kind of evolved to that point. Sure. But the raw food thing was like next level. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go from, from, well, from, you know, Twinkies and Mountain Dew to, you know, chicken and brown rice to now like, you know, superhero kind of supernatural kind of kind of yeah. being. And so I started, I started to do this raw food diet. Um, with that came um, veganism. Um, I was vegan for six years. And um and I thought that, you know, I was eating the healthiest diet on the planet. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to about, I would say now about four years ago, um, I was having trouble getting out of bed. Um, it's something that a raw fooder should never feel, right? And usually when you, when, you know, if you're in that like extreme diet, and even, it even happens with paleo too. Sure. Um, when you're in that extreme diet, what happens is all your friends who are doing it, they say, well, you know, you're just doing it wrong. You know, mm-hmm. you need to do it better. You need to get 
you know, you need to make this diet like, you know, like you just need to be the best at it. And I'm like, all right, well, I think I'm kind of doing it pretty good. You know, I've access at that time we, we were interviewing all these experts. And so I had access to everyone. I could talk to them. I could just pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was getting really scared. And, you know, one day actually, you know, kind of feeling really lost. I, I looked on the internet. Um, WebMD has this like a uh, symptom kind of engine. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. So, you I have know. cancer. By the well, way. I, I know <laughs> that's what happened. I typed in, I had everything from like AIDS to cancer. And I was like, oh my God, this isn't right. And so finally I went to um, a friend of, of mine. He's a doctor. His name is uh, Dr. J.E. Williams. And I talk about Dr. James Williams a lot. And he ran a lot of blood tests and I'd never really done blood tests because I didn't believe in them yeah. because, you know, the, the, the blood tests, my whole thing was the sample sizes of all the people, the, si- the sample size of all the people who are sick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how could I tell if my numbers were right, if I'm comparing against people who are sick? Right. But he had a whole different perspective. He'd been in the industry for 30 years. He's, you know, the personal doctor of many well-known um, health people that, that we hear about now. Actually, the, the people who train the people that we hear about right. now. Yeah. And so he, um, he ran my tests and he's like, you know, you're a vegan, you're a raw foodist, and your pregnenolone is at a five, which is mm-hmm. about the equivalent of the pregnenolone of an 80-year-old man, mm-hmm. um, 85-year-old man. And your, um, your cholesterol is 110. Um, you're not able to produce any hormones. This is why you're feeling lethargic and slow and not able to get out of bed, low sex drive, all that sort of stuff. And he said, you know, it would be a good idea to start eating some meat again. And so I said, all Something right, Something every no. vegan wants to hear, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cow mooed off in the distance, you know, like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so I said, no, you know, obviously yeah. <laughs> what any vegan would say. Right. <laughs> and, and, I just, and I went, went back, back into the RV and I just, you know, sat with it for a couple months. And then um, I just got, I started to feel worse. And so one day I said, you know, I'm not going to eat meat. Um, I'm going to get yogurt. And now being a foodist and being someone and a vegan and having you know, 900 YouTube videos and that sort of stuff, um, I went into the grocery store, a place where I'm normally recognized, and I'm like, how am I supposed to buy yogurt? You know, right. <laughs> it's kind of a really kind of a scary kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I got all this kale and I put it in my basket. And then I went over to the yogurt, yogurt container. I got this uh, the yogurt um, section, and I got goat yogurt, and I stuffed it under the kale, so no one would, so no one would see it if they happened to recognize me. <laughs> I ate two thirty-two ounce containers of goat yogurt for two months straight. It was wow. the only thing I ate. My my body didn't want anything else. And it was crazy because Anne Marie, you know, knows how extreme I can go. Yeah. And she's like, "What just happened to you? <laughs> you're just a raw food vegan, and now you're eating two thirty-two ounce containers of yogurt every single day, breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner." Holy and so, <laughs> but I started to feel better, and almost instantly, literally within like a week, I was I was feeling like amazing. I was like bouncing out of bed. I was running for longer, wow. and all that sort of thing. And so then I kind of, I, you know, after going from something that I believe so strongly to then, you know, kind of going to something that I kind of didn't believe, but it was working for me, I decided to j- essentially just go the other way and mm-hmm. throw everything out the window. As a raw foodist, I had dropped down to 160 pounds. Um, I'm 6'2 and a half ish. Yeah. So like I'm, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a big guy. And, and so that was really underweight. And so I just said, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to eat whatever 
I want as long as it's organic. Mm-hmm. And so I broke down all the rules. I, I decided that I was going to drink alcohol again. So I drank, you know, organic wine, craft brews. Um, I ate things like speck and, um, you know, scrapple and things that I've, you know, <laughs> all these animal pieces that I'd never heard of <laughs> before. Yeah. And I just went the other way and it felt really great. I mean, it felt fantastic um, for, for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I started to get sluggish, lethargic. <laughs> I realized that I had shot, you know, straight up through, you know, the 185 ideal weight. And yeah. I, you know, and I finally had gotten to a point where I was about 220 pounds and wow. I couldn't, I so you couldn't like 60 button. pounds. I did. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And I couldn't button my pants <laughs> <laughs> and talk about a, a, a whole nother shift, you know, from like, you know, being underweight to not even be able to fit into your pants. Yeah. It was, I mean, I think I've, I feel like I've run the gamut of like everyone's dieting experience. Mm-hmm. And so then I said, you know, something has to change there. And, and, and so what I did was I, I went out to really find out what really matters um, for your health and, and how to do it in a way where you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. Not completely, mm-hmm. but like kind of have this like really nice balanced approach. And so that's kind of what, you know, what my work is now, at least in terms of the health side. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so where does that leave you? What, what do your habits look like now? Yeah. My, my habits now, you know, there's, there's one thing that I do and, I, and I've gotten away from it in the last month just because I've been traveling a lot. But, but one thing that I found that, that, it's a fantastic way to kind of get myself reset for the day or start or started for the day is to make my green smoothie. So that, that came mm-hmm. with me from, you know, my, my days of raw food. It came to me from my vegan days. I take a whole head of romaine lettuce, like, you know, big old head of romaine lettuce. I take, um, some, either some cherries or some unsweetened, you know, not really sweet berries. And then I, I'll use like peaches or apples, you know, not, not that sweet kind of fruit. Um, a little bit of, I still use a plant-based protein powder, pop that in there and blend it up. And what I've learned about the smoothie, it's not really just a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely lose weight when I, when I eat smoothies during the day, but it's kind of a psychological thing. If you eat a green smoothie in the morning, you make green smoothie type decisions. And yeah. if you eat pancakes in the morning, you make pancake decisions the That's rest true. of the day. And so, so the green smoothie decisions are kind of like this thing that I've kind of come up with. It's just like, if I do it, it works. And and if I don't, it doesn't. And so it's such an easy, I mean, it's so easy. It's almost like, it's almost like, come on, is that, is that the advice, you know, you're giving me, <laughs> um, like, give me, give you know, tell me I got to take like some sort of like neuro, you know, transmitter type, you know, like <laughs> booster or something like that. No, no, Dave no. was just on the show. We already got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's great. I mean, he's doing some great stuff. Um, this oh, for me course, is yeah. one of those things that I think. Yeah. With the green smoothie, I mean, it, it's such a great point, though, because when a lot of people don't see their food decisions as psychological, meaningful, emotional, identity based decisions. And if you're someone who uh, eats pancakes or eats cereal or eats a donut in the morning, or whatever, you're, you're kind of that dude or that gal or whatever. But if you're someone, it kind of takes a different breed to become a green smoothie person, right? Like I'm totally a green smoothie person <laughs> and I, I love it. And like, uh, so was Allison. It was actually, uh, Miss Utah who turned me on to my first green smoothie. I'm, you know, just basically she like dumps, this was years ago and I was a musician on tour and she dumps this, uh, salad into a blender and yeah. you know, then she turns it on to like dump some other things. And I'm like, what is that? What are you doing? And she's like, you got to try it. It's good for your skin. And I, I tried it. I didn't like it at first. 
Um, but now almost every day, you know, it's something that is, uh, it, it changes your whole perspective, I think, because yeah. it's like momentum that you get from the moment that the greens yeah. hit your belly to everything that happens after you just feel awesome. You get great energy and, uh, who knows if it's placebo, I'll take it. <laughs> whatever placebo, whatever. It doesn't matter. My, one of my colleagues uh, in the raw food space, Victoria Butenko, she's kind of like the grandmother of, of green smoothies in that space. She did a study with just 40 people. I mean, not, not that big of a study, but 40 people. And she took them through a month long of green smoothies. They didn't have to change anything else in their diet. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else. Like just eat whatever you want at lunch, eat whatever you want at dinner. And every single person, well, every single person who finished the study, you know, obviously, you know, some people drop out, mm-hmm. but every, every single person who finished the study, they showed increased energy, um, raised sex drive, lost weight, um, lowered blood pressure, um, lower blood sugar. I mean, like all these all these indicators of of better health just by having a green smoothie in the morning. It's yeah. so easy. It's so easy, yeah. and it's it's rocking. It's interesting though because that's like something that is kind of almost reserved for the plant based or vegan community, and like doesn't really penetrate outside of that. But um, that community, like you were saying before, is so restrictive that it doesn't allow for anything else. So like. It it seems like there are very few in between where you get the best of like kind of the vegetable world as well as all of the random animal parts, as you described earlier, which are basically nutrient (laughs) density that you're getting from something that that you usually can't from plants or or just from plant based foods. So it's uh, I'm so glad to have you on because you have such a unique perspective. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, the health industry in and of itself, because you are. are not only someone who's extremely knowledgeable about health in and of itself, but also you're uh, a very successful entrepreneur in a couple of different ways. So seeing the health industry from the inside out, what would you say to someone who's listening on the other end of this, who is more of you know, someone, a, a typical shopper or someone who's shopping on the internet or someone who's experienced as a consumer of brands? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what I say, I would say beware. <laughs> and I would say it with that ominous voice. Yeah. Beware. I mean, so through this whole Renegade Health thing, which which was, you know, kind of my own health journey, the raw food and the vegan thing, my wife and I started a a natural organic skincare company because we couldn't find a product that we that we liked that fit our you know standards of you know raw food and vegan the, the, mm-hmm. the same standards that we were that we were kind of um, you know using with our food we wanted to use them for our skincare and what's the best story that I can tell you all right here's the story that I can tell you <laughs> so we we wanted to formulate a shampoo. And we have we have a formulator who's a part owner in the business. She's like this earth mama chemist, amazing person. But she couldn't formulate a shampoo. And she'd been trying for years to formulate a, a natural shampoo. The problem with natural shampoos are, one, they, there's two. There's one is that it works, but it's like $70 a bottle. Yeah. So not, not good. Um, the other one is that it's natural, but it doesn't work. Right. So those are like those are the those are the two <laughs> the two options that you have with with a natural shampoo, at least a really natural shampoo. So so we went around and we tried to find um, you know someone else who was formulating these products because we didn't know how to do it. Um, our even our you know our formulator and partner, our business partner, did, didn't even know how to do it. So we we're just like, all right, someone has to be able to do it. So we found a product and we were like, man, this product is amazing. You know, 
over like a list of ingredients. We need to interview you. We need to talk about this. You know, she seemed super knowledgeable. She gave us a list of ingredients. We're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Like we're going to, like we're going to take over the natural organic shampoo industry, like the, that market, like we have it, like this mm-hmm. stuff is amazing. So we ordered a bunch of the product. We ordered a bunch of bottles to get it, um, put together, uh, you know, all the thing labels did all, the, all that. And, um, and so I, I try, I was in the shower one day and I, and I tried the shampoo again. Now, mind you, I don't actually even wash my hair. It's kind of one of those things. I don't <laughs> believe in it. I think that, I think that the natural oils can, you know, maintain, you know, sure. great hair health, but whatever, that's an aside. But so I'm using the shampoo and I'm like, this stuff is too good to be true. There's something wrong about it. And I don't know what it is, but I have to ask again. So I, ca- I called her on the phone and I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, I was just using the shampoo and like, something's weird. I feel like, I don't know, being in the natural industry for a while, and Abel, you probably know too, like, mm-hmm. you can just, I just smell like artificial anything now. Right. Like, I taste it, I smell it. Like, it's like, it's, it's not even difficult. It's like, my gosh, like that artificial watermelon flavor, like, my God, it doesn't <laughs> even taste like watermelon. I don't even know what it is. You walk um, into a subway and you're like, that's not bread. <laughs> that's not bread. <laughs> well, it, what up until recently was yoga mat. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but so I called her and I said, hey, I, I know that you gave us a list of ingredients. I know that we talked to you and we know that you're cool. But I, is there something else you can give me? Because I just don't feel like it's the right thing. And she's like, sure, yeah, I'll get it to you. A week passed, nothing. Yeah. Two weeks passed. And we're like, we got to launch this product because we have a lot of money sitting on you know, making it happen. Two weeks passed. Nothing happened, nothing from her. Three weeks, nothing. Finally, I email her. I'm like, I need this. And so she sends over a fax. And here's the list of ingredients. Of the shampoo and conditioner, there are 13 ingredients that are not listed on the labels that she sent us or on the ingredient list that she sent us, including things um, you know, like fragrances, which are like a big, big, big no-no, mm-hmm. um, nasty emulsifying wax. I mean, emulsifying wax was the number two ingredient in this shampoo, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even listed on the label Jeez. in terms of in terms of volume. And so obviously I, I wasn't very happy about that. I had some choice words for her, yeah. and I asked her to refund all of her money, and we're not going to launch this shampoo with you. But I mean, that that sort of stuff is it, it, – it's – rampant in at least the skincare industry as well as the food industry mm-hmm. and 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 yes the food industry is more regulated but i mean that just seeing it from this perspective because i'm i'm a really trusting person and seeing it from this perspective i just i just wonder like you know how many other people particularly and, and it might not even be um intentional how many people are just getting the you know the wool pulled over their eyes because they just don't fully vet you know, the people who are producing or farming or, you know, whatever their products, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really scary. And it, and it, and, and our, what we're trying to do right now is just, just make sure that if we talk to those people, we'd say, Hey, you know, do you really know, like, why don't you, can you go a little bit further just to find out for sure? Because it's, it's, sad for the consumer to have to be on edge about it, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that uh, I'm sure you've seen like Moroccan oil, the stuff that uh, it's it's like a shampoo brand that they have in a lot of fancy schmancy places and, and hairdressers or whatever. Uh, Allison was using that for a while and uh, she saw it on Amazon for about the same price that she saw it in other places, but it, it just wasn't where, you know, wherever she was going. So she got it from Amazon and um, you noticed that it was a little bit different. And 
so I, I think she uh. emailed them. She got in touch with like the customer service or something like that. And she's just, that person said, oh yeah, we don't sell on Amazon. Anything that you got from there is counterfeit. <laughs> and she was like, what? what? And, uh, and then we started looking into, you know, how rampant counterfeit brands are, especially on places like Amazon and, and basically anywhere on the internet. Um, certainly all of those, you know, flea markets and whatever, if you're buying anything from batteries to shampoo, it's just not the real stuff. And it's full of who knows what, you know, but um, you, it's difficult to regulate that also, <laughs> you know, and so it's something that you kind of just need to be. Even in the raw food space, you know, there was there was one popular company, and it, and it wasn't um, David Wolf's company, just so everyone knows that. So you know, he has some he has some integrity around it. Yeah. Um, but it was selling; they were they were selling raw chocolate. It was not raw the whole time. Wow! Like it was. I mean, and again, you, yeah, like raw or not raw chocolate. I mean, you know, it's it's not going to kill you, kind of thing. But yeah. at the same time, I'm totally out of integrity. Sure. It's just, it's just crazy. I'm like, check up on your factory. I mean, like, or your farmer, like go there, like go talk to someone. I mean, like, who are you? I don't know. So it's just, I mean, it just, it makes me so mad because, because I, because I look at the, the consumers like my mom, you know, like, or, or it's, it's my wife or my kids, mm-hmm. you know, like you have a responsibility as a company to own up to what you're doing and, and just, and just take some time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We audit our we audit our sources now right. um, because of this. We audit our sources at least every year, sometimes twice a year. Wow! Just like, so are you still doing what you told us you were doing? Right. What does that mean <laughs> when you audit them? Like, like you go there, you ask questions. What, what happens? We don't always go there, okay. but but we ask questions and we say, hey, you know, we we ask, and, and it's not me. Um, Rachel, our team member, is fantastic at this. She's an activist. You know, we live in Berkeley, so you know we have amazing, <laughs> you know, activist type team right. team members here. But but she asks all different types of questions, like you know, what source is it from? Are you sure about that? You know, just like just just kind of like looping and looping and looping. It's, and you know, you, it's amazing. You'll find. You know, just by asking, you know, people will tell you things that you're just like, well, wait a minute, that wasn't what you said the first time. Right. <laughs> so we, we're always, you know, we're always asking, making sure it's non-GMO, making sure they, and, and they'll say yes. And you're like, well, what is it, you know, particularly if we're looking for a new ingredient, mm-hmm. you know, is it non-GMO? Yes. Well, what's made from? Corn. Hmm. <laughs> what kind of corn is made from? You know, right. it's like, wait, but, oh, wait, but no, 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 it's made of soy. Oh, really? Non-GMO and soy. So it's non-GMO soy. That's pretty rare, but yeah, yeah okay. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, 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 I know, again, again, I think it's people not really knowing fully the people that they're getting it from. There's a lot of middlemen too, you know, yeah. where, you know, it's like a telephone game. That's an interesting point too, because like a lot of the, the brands in and of themselves are, uh, marketing brands. They're not necessarily the, the supplier. Could you talk about that a little bit where, you know, uh, especially the stuff you do find online is, kind of coming from all the same place, right? Like these big factories that make all this stuff and then a bunch of brands kind of like slap their labels on it and and sell it in different ways. Can you talk about how that works a little bit from from your experience? Because I don't think a lot of people who, you know, aren't in our world know how that works. Yeah, so so in the in the supplement space there's like five or six players. And they're and and they're the ones who produce the majority of of the products that you see on the shelves. Mm-hmm. In the skincare industry, it's 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 really just about the same. So there's there are these big players, 
and they're producing products for everyone. And when you call them, because we have talked to some of them, and, and with Renegade Health, we've talked to some of the supplement makers too. When you call them, they'll they'll gladly tell you all the other, whether they can or not, I don't know, but they'll gladly brag about all the other brands that they make. Yeah. Um, so so what, what's happening is that, is that you're having these big, like mega companies producing these products, and then the the marketing arm of it is, you know, a distinction, but it doesn't necessarily mean the quality is better, nor does the fact that it may cost more or less mean it's better or worse. Um, you, it, but if it costs less, usually that means it's even cheaper. So, yeah. you know, that's usually a pretty good sign. But if it costs more, that doesn't mean it's actually higher quality. Right. Um, so, so as a consumer, because obviously I know anyone listening to this is going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, now that I know all this, what, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you, you really do need to make, a, make it a, a, a commitment of yours to do the, to do the homework mm-hmm. and to actually call and, and not only speak to customer support people, but, but see if you can actually call and speak to someone who's a little bit higher up, speak to the manager, send emails to these companies, you know, really ask questions that are really valuable to you. And that usually is, is, is enough to get you at least to a level where you feel comfortable enough to be able to use the product on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So what, what products do you refuse to use? Are there any like classifications of, of products that are basically like off your radar, especially coming from the, the vegan world, right? Like coming from a plant-based approach where chemicals, especially of the art, artificial <laughs> toxic variety are bad. Are there any things that a lot of like uh, Americans say are using every day that you wouldn't touch? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, shampoo and conditioner is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't think we need it. the The problem is, if you have really long hair, it's going to take a while for your natural oils to actually make it make their way through your hair to actually mm-hmm. make it really smooth and and shiny. Um, s- skincare products um, are are definitely this this space where you really have to go as natural as possible. The FDA says for some reason or another that your, you know, your skin can't absorb, um, you know, medicines or, or things put on it, but mm-hmm. they also, you know, recommend the nicotine patch. Um, right. so I mean, <laughs> who knows what's happening there? You know, <laughs> don't, don't understand the, the double standard on that. So they say that the skin's a barrier. Um, so, right. so these types of, you know, there's plenty of petroleum, I would say petroleum chemicals are probably some of the the, the worst ones, the mm-hmm. ones that the petroleum-based chemicals are ones that we don't want to put on our skin. Which are but, in chapstick, uh, deodorant, soaps. Like a lot of soaps are actually detergents, right? Everything. Yeah, yeah. fragrances too, which your, your body can be extremely sensitive to. And so, so, I mean, those are like, those are the ones, but I mean, the, the question is like, you know, how do you even know? Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I travel a lot and I go to these hotels and sometimes I go to these fancy spas because, you know, I get invited to them because people want to woo me or whatever, you know, <laughs> want, want to get, get our, them, us to promote their product and things right. like that. And, um, and even just, I was just in Sedona. I was at this really nice spa and I picked up this really nice looking natural product and I turned around and looked at the back of the label. And if I didn't look at the label, I, I almost used the product because mm-hmm. it just looks so good. Mm-hmm. And I looked, turned around the, the back of the label. There's nothing natural in it. Not wow. even like an herb, you yeah. know. I mean, there really there wasn't even an herb in the thing. And man, it certainly looked like there was. You know yeah. what I mean? It yeah. looked like it looked like you know some hippie woman like you know went went out in the woods and like <laughs> picked it and then you know ground it up and then you know poured some oil and then distilled it and then like you know put it into this beautiful like glass like kind of bottle with a <laughs> cork on the top, you know. Um, but man, it, it just it's scary. So 
So I mean, I don't know if that was exactly what you're asking for, but I, but I mean, it, it it comes down to um yeah. Here's here's my my approach. I'm extremist, but at the same time, I know that some of these things aren't actually that dangerous, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, like you can get away with using some natural, you know, uh, some uh, artificial fragrances, or you could get away with eating an artificial flavored something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like an eighty twenty or or maybe ninety ten kind of rule. Sure. You can get away with some of the stuff, but with the the existing kind of environment that we're in, particularly with you know existing chemicals um, that are in our environment, um, pesticides that are in our organic and non-organic food, bioaccumulation of metals and other um, pesticides in animal food, the foods that we eat that are animals, um, you know emissions. Um, what else? Possibly EMFs, like all these other things. Like, doesn't it just make sense to cut as much out of your diet and your lifestyle as possible. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, and I have a lot of friends who are science-based and they're just like, yeah, but you know, the science says that this doesn't, you know, this doesn't cause cancer. It's like, well, I mean, why am I eating like this, this chemical, you know, like, or, mm-hmm. or why, why am I eating this? Um, you know, why am I eating, um, uh, what's the, uh, gly- glycosate? Was it gly- glyphosate? The, uh, glycophosphate. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, so, you know, whatever the roundup sort of roundup, right, for, right. that's roundup. exactly what it is. Like, so why, why would I even bother if, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's crazy. It, and, and it, for me, I'm always skeptical of someone who says science proves that it doesn't cause cancer because you can't really prove that, right? Like, unless you study everyone's lifestyle and all the synergistic effects of every single thing they've ever been exposed to and combine that with their hormonal environment, their genetic makeup and all this other stuff. But if you look around, you're just like two thirds of us at least are fat and sick. And that's enough evidence to me that like, there's a, there's not one thing going wrong. There's a lot of stuff going wrong. So like, I I think to your point, it's really important to look around and be like, okay, what's probably not right. This thing that, you know, has, umpteen syllables in it that I've never heard of before that's you know like in my soup or (laughs) on my head or you know the aluminum in my deodorant or whatever it's like we can there is a huge opportunity to cut a lot of this stuff out and uh and it's important that we do it's it's a big part of the lifestyle factor of not just eating well but but living well let me tell you a story about about that um it might be a reveal because it's in my book and but whatever I'll tell it here cool um (laughs) so so I kind of got a little toxic, um, crazy, like toxic, toxic chemical crazy. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to send, you know, 12 or 13 things that we have in our house that we feed our son. And now we have a daughter and, um, ourselves to a lab to get them tested for heavy metals. Mm-hmm. And so I gathered all this stuff and, and, you know, to be candid, I kind of wanted to like catch like a big company, you know, doing bad things. Yeah. That was kind of like my, that was kind of like my, my <laughs> thing. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's nail them. You know, I forgot that they're, they're, they have such, you know, great legal teams that they would like, most of them would never allow that to happen. Right. So, you know, they have, they have really good checks and balances. Um, but what I, what I did find was I sent like 10 away and I got 10 back and I wasn't really pleased, um, you know, with the results because I wanted to see if there was something toxic. Mm-hmm. And then I sent a couple more things and I got the results back and the green tea that I was drinking had an unusual, well, I don't know about unusual, but a large, a larger amount of lead in it than, you know, anything that I had sampled. Wow. And I was in, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So, and I didn't know, I don't really know like what lead levels are acceptable or anything like that. 
And so I, I talked to a, a scientist guy from um, UC Davis. Um, I interviewed him and he, he's kind of like, he's on that science side where he's mm-hmm. just like, well, you know, we haven't really proven the effects of that much lead and, and that sort of thing. I mean, he didn't sound like that. I mean, that was kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> to the guy, you know, I, I forget his name, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry I made your voice like that. You don't sound like that. You're a nice man. Um, but, <laughs> but I, um, so, but, so he told me that and I'm just like, wait a minute, but you know, again, based on that same thing, isn't less better. So I said, all right, well, let me get four more or sorry, three more green teas and let me go test those. Mm-hmm. And so I sent um, three more back. This, the one that I tested first was from China. Um, the other one I tested was from Hawaii. Another one I tested from Japan. And then the last one I tested was from um, Brazil. It's weird. Like they grow green tea in Brazil. Who knew yeah. that? Um, and so the one in Hawaii had a, just a little bit more. Um, and we're talking like um, 1,500 parts per billion. 1500, 1700 parts per billion ish. Okay. So that's like, and again, that's, um, again, it's not that, it's not super high, but it, again, it's not low. Yeah. And the, the two that came back from um, Brazil and Japan were, were low. We're talking like now 60 parts per billion, hmm. 100 parts per billion. So significantly lower, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was shocked. I'm like, is, I could be drinking green tea that could give me more lead exposure than another one. And I just didn't even think that that was possible. And so, you know, I talked to a few people about what that could be. And they say it might be the manufacturing process. It might be pollution. Um, you know, it might be the bag they're putting it in. You know, who knows? Um, but, but it was really shocking to see that because that's something you can't see at all. And, it's, right. and particularly with green tea, I mean, shoot, it's something that you're eating because, because you want to be healthy. You want, right. you know, the, you want the plant polyphenols you want to, you, you want to be healthy because of it all the antioxidants so that was a pretty a pretty surprising thing now for those of you listening you don't have to go out and test everything um <laughs> you know like and you don't have to freak out about this you just have to think like less is better you know can i get less can i make sure that there's you know can i get less exposure by doing you know certain things um in addition to that can you contact the companies and ask for their C of A? Um, that's yeah. what it's called, C of A, Certificate of Analysis. And if they don't give you one, I would, you know, wonder. And if they can give you one, then you can look at it and you can get the uh, the download on it. Yeah, awesome. Well, so, some, someone has to do it. There's a lot that we're up against. I know. <laughs> these, these days, it's crazy. We're almost up on time. But before we go, I, I want to make sure that we talk about uh, you being a dad. What's it like to to raise kids in a healthy way these days? Because obviously the, sometimes the odds are stacked against you yet again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's, there's two things. Um, one is that all the things that we thought we were going to do before we had kids, um, they don't always pan out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we had this vision of like, you know, children in cloth diapers running around with non-plastic toys and you know just sipping on green juice and never eating french fries you know that sort of stuff and um it's not exactly that shangri-la over here um <laughs> we lasted about 40 hours on cloth diapers until yeah. they kept blowing out and then you're like well <laughs> we can use compostable ones you know um so you know you you have to be flexible sure. you definitely have to be flexible i mean the first time that i saw my my child hudson um eating goldfish he was with a he was with a, a friend of his we were visiting and you know 
the kid, the other kid had had goldfish and Hudson wanted some. And I'm like, is this going to be the moment where I become, you know, crazy health food dad and, you know, kind of disrupt the whole, the whole situation, like the friend, the little bond that they're creating, or do I just let him eat some goldfish and then just know that when he comes home, he'll never see him again. Um, and, and that was, that was a really good lesson for Anne-Marie and I, because we both saw that, that instance and we're just like, you know what? I don't think it's that bad, you know, and plus you look at how we grew up, you know, know, what we ate, you know, Mountain Dews and Twinkies, right? So, I mean, like, like (laughs) it's, I don't think they're going to turn out that bad. Um, And, and, you know, the, the, the second thing about it is that, is that if you involve the kids in doing like for, for me involving Hudson, who's now almost three in cooking the food, making the smoothie, making the green juice. Yeah. Dude loves it. He won't. He won't drink it for the most part if you just like hand it to him. Mm-hmm. But if he's there, stop, you know, pouring the protein powder into the smoothie, or if he's you know chopping up the, we have this really dull little knife that he uses, just so so, so no one no one's too concerned. Yeah. <laughs> if he's if he's using the ginsu to you know slice up the, uh, <laughs> the the celery or something like that, or if he's cooking, I actually have him stand up next to me with a stool and he's learned you know how to you know, move around the, you know, the broccoli, which is a good example on the skillet. He puts garlic powder on it and salt and then, you know, nutritional yeast and that sort of stuff. And he'll eat it as we go. And I've, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a kid, anyone's kid eat so much broccoli as he does only because he's actually involved in the process and doing it. That's so cool. That's such a good lesson too. I remember when I was growing up uh, in New Hampshire with my dad, there was such a huge difference between, you know, like eating fish, which is kind of like fishy and gross, especially when you're a kid or whatever, or, you know, going out all day or going out ice fishing and getting some pickerel, which are full of sharp bones and kind of suck to eat, but you take them home and, you know, dad fries them up in the skillet with a bunch of butter and you all eat it together as a family. Like that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what, you know, really gets kids. I'm sure that's the reason that I'm doing this show right now is stuff like that. And so I think it's so important that you share that experience that, that really involving kids in the process is something that needs to start young um, yeah. and, and it will serve them well uh, as they encounter a, a very strange world. <laughs> That's <laughs> getting stranger, man. Getting stranger. <laughs> well, anyway, we're just about out of time, but uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at kevingiani.com and you can find uh, skincare at annemariegiani.com. Awesome. Well, Kevin, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, please take a quick minute to leave a review on iTunes. You can also find me on Twitter at Fat Burn Man and Facebook by typing in Abel James. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to all of them for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. Enter your best email to sign up for my newsletter, and you can access every show I've ever recorded. I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and some ridiculously good recipes as a special thanks for signing up for the newsletter. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now and enter your best email to get your free fat-burning download straight to your inbox and make sure you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll chat with you soon. Cheers. Cheers.